Uh, NATO holding an emergency meeting today. Canada's foreign minister was uh, a part of that to discuss the situation in Ukraine to also talk about what more NATO could be doing. Now, NATO Secretary General Jan Stolenberg uh, this morning, uh, making it clear that NATO is not prepared to implement a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Uh, that the idea of NATO shooting down Russian planes is the kind of thing that could lead to a full-fledged war in Europe. Uh, so the only way to do so, he says, is to, to provide Ukraine with, with support. So in, the, the idea, though, of sending NATO planes in, into Ukrainian airspace, he says, it's, it's a non-starter. Uh, so certainly there is a need for more of that support. But what could be done to protect the skies over Ukraine, short of NATO intervention? Well, there's a new piece up at the McDonnell Laurier Institute, McDonnellLaurier.ca, uh, a piece arguing that it is indeed in NATO's best interest to help Ukraine secure its airspace. So what that might look like. Joining us uh, to talk more about that side uh, of things. Very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, Eugene Choli, who is president of the Ukraine 2050 non-governmental organization, served as president of the Ukrainian World Congress from 2008 to 2018. Uh, Eugene, thanks so much for making some time for us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, so what do you make of uh, the comments this morning from uh, NATO Secretary General and, you know, the, the whole idea of a no-fly zone? What, what do you think of that? Well, first of all, I think that the, um, uh, as I wrote in my article uh, uh, and sent to the uh, to for that for that meeting of the extraordinary meeting of uh, uh, ministers of foreign affairs of uh, NATO, I think that the Lithuanian former president uh, said it correctly in the sense that NATO is and NATO member countries have uh, two choices: they can watch. Uh, the events in Ukraine and then pay a much higher price uh, when they will be faced with uh, uh, Russian military aggression or they can uh, do the uh, uh, necessary uh, moves today in order to ensure that Ukraine succeeds in uh, ensuring a no-fly zone and uh, is ultimately able to uh, withstand uh, Russian military aggression and to stop the Russian aggression at the borders of Ukraine, in which case uh, Europe will not be paying the heavy price uh, in terms of human losses uh, that Ukraine is paying today in defending its territorial integrity and, in fact, protecting Europe. So what can yeah, what, be done? Yeah. Yeah, what can, what be? can be done? Two things. One, you, you, uh, NATO and NATO member countries can send uh, fighter jets and anti-air systems to help Ukraine uh, uh, ensure uh, a no-fly zone. Uh, second, uh, what I was proposing is that uh, Western pilots and additional fighter jets be seconded uh, or uh, placed under Ukrainian operational control. Uh, and in that fashion, and Ukraine has already facilitated that by establishing the International Legion of Territorial Defense of Ukraine. So th those planes, pilots, uh, can be seconded to uh, the Ukrainian uh, authorities, and, and then it's, it's, uh, it, it essentially becomes uh, uh, fighter jets uh, that, are, that are flying uh, uh, as Ukrainians and, and not as uh, NATO uh, or NATO member countries. 
Well, I mean, would, is that a significant enough difference in terms of, uh, you know, the Russian perspective? I mean, if we have Canadian fighter jets with Canadian pilots or American fighter jets with American pilots, we can say that they're under Ukrainian control, but they're still Canadian pilots, American pilots. Okay, but there's, but they, they can be seconded to, uh, uh, for a period of time, uh, uh, and, and fly uh, as Ukrainian uh, uh, fighter jets and Ukrainian pilots. And I frankly, well, yeah. I don't see. I don't see. Let me just uh, mm-hmm. add to this two things. One, I don't see the difference um, between it, it's, uh, Europe has already uh, and NATO member countries have been supplying very overtly uh, right. defensive lethal weapons to Ukraine. So this is essentially saying we'll supply that type of defensive lethal weapons, but we will not supply the one that actually uh, can do the job. Uh, so I don't, I don't see the difference between I, I would have I would have seen the difference between the position that we're totally indifferent to the situation in Ukraine and just watching it from the outside. But when you're not only supplying uh, but you're overtly supplying in the sense that you're uh, coming out and making statements to the effect that this country has supplied this type of uh, lethal weapons. What's the difference then uh, whether you supplied uh, Stinger missiles, uh, javelins, or uh, fighter jets? It's still you're supplying defensive lethal weapons to a country that is uh, the object of a military aggression. That's the first thing. The second thing that I don't understand is that when uh, when uh, yesterday, at least from my perspective, there was a game changer. And for all of those that have been saying, well, if we go too far, uh, maybe we'll get involved in a bigger conflict that we wanted to or that we bargained for. I'm saying that yesterday it was per- particularly clear that it's not just Ukraine that's endangered. When, when, if I would have told you three months ago that there, that's, uh, any government would be idiotic enough to be sending missiles or, and uh, shelling a nuclear power plant, right. and when a fire erupted, shelling uh, to continue to shell so that the firemen could not extinguish the fire, you would have told me that's impossible. Well, that occurred yesterday with the largest nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia, the largest uh, nuclear power plant in Europe. If, uh, God forbid, but if that power plant would have exploded yesterday, it's not just Ukraine. Uh, And and I don't don't understand why NATO did did not understand today that radiation does not ask for a passport in order to cross the Ukrainian border. Mm-hmm. And so, so clearly, we are seeing a regime today uh, 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 that is, is uh, that that is uh, headed by a, a, a president that is totally delusional, and he's endangering security in Europe. And people are looking at that and saying, "We hope that there will not be an accident." But that, there, yesterday, there was a, like an accident and happening almost. Luckily, uh, it was extinguished. But uh, there, are, there are other uh, uh, there are other nuclear plants in Ukraine. This one could still be uh, it's, uh, uh, endangered, uh, and and one, one does not know what are the plans 
uh, of the Russian president, but clearly yesterday he has dem- demonstrated total disdain. And when he, after the events that we have already seen, when he announces to President Macron of France that the worst is yet to come, well, I ask you uh, today, uh, as two sober individuals talking to each other, when somebody attacks a nuclear power plant and shells it and says that the worst is yet to come, wh- 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 why are we debating this? Like, isn't it in the best interest uh, today to uh, ensure that uh, uh, this uh, uh, imperialist power is, is hits a wall and, and that we stop this uh, this uh, uh, this extremely dangerous situation for for the whole international community. And some interesting questions. Uh, as mentioned, your piece, it's up at uh, mcdonaldlaurier.ca. Folks, uh, folks want to read more. Eugene, thanks so much for joining us on the program here today. Really appreciate this. Thank you very much. All the best. Uh, Eugene uh, Solji, I mentioned you can uh, read his uh, piece. It's up at mcdonaldlaurier.ca on why it's in NATO's best interest to help Ukraine secure its airspace. He's president of the Ukraine 2050 non-governmental organization, previous president of the Ukraine World Congress.